Wouldn't it be great if Christians could talk about the Bible and various issues without fighting or arguing or name-calling? Imagine if we could just sit down, have a cup of coffee, discuss, and even if we disagree, treat each other with respect. That's what this podcast is all about. Kind, loving, Christian conversations. Not a sermon or a Bible class, just followers of Jesus talking about life and faith. I hope this show encourages you to have conversations like this with people in your life. I'm Wes McAdams, and I want to welcome you to the Crosstalk Podcast. On today's episode, I had the opportunity to visit over the phone with two members of the Appian Media team. Appian Media is a nonprofit organization for which I am incredibly thankful. They're Christians who create amazing documentary-style videos that help viewers experience various places in Israel and the biblical accounts that happened there. They make these videos available for free on their website, appianmedia.org. The Appian Media team consists of several members, but this conversation was with two brothers, Jeremy and Craig DeHutt. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation and make sure you listen to the end because Jeremy and Craig will share a coupon code that will allow you to get a DVD from their website for free. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. So Stuart Peck and uh, myself both work as freelance video producers here in Indianapolis and met him for coffee one day. He and I had, you know, realized that there was another Christian town working in the same industry. And so we sat down and talked and Stu was kind of lamenting the fact that as he was teaching a high school Bible class, that the kids really were not as engaged with the text as we all kind of felt they ought to be. The Bible is exciting and it's engaging, um, but the kids are used to, they're used to consuming information and uh, culminating knowledge through visual means. They go on YouTube and learn and they go to school and watch media and consume and learn that way. And yet for Bible classes, there was not really that kind of resource. And so Stu went looking online, trying to find something that he could engage his students with and just couldn't find it. It was either 20 or 30 years old or it was recent and it was well done, but not as biblically accurate as we thought it should be. And so we said, you know, Instead of complaining about it, let's create it ourselves. That's how the idea started. It would be another six or eight months before we would take our first trip, but um, really started reaching out, doing our research, and assembling a team and the support necessary to get it done. Um, Craig had run the idea by some of us in the family. I'm um, just kind of saying, hey, I met this guy, and this is what we're kicking around. And in the fall of 2015, my wife, Anna, and I went on a trip with Barry Britnell. Uh, uh, I think it was a two-week trip to, to Israel. And we were with a group. I think there were between 20 and 30 of us. And so during the whole trip, you know, I was there taking pictures and doing things for myself and my wife. But the whole time, I was thinking logistics for Craig. Like, if Craig and Stu came over and did this, uh, how would they do it? What would it look like? And when I got home, I told him, look, here's Barry's phone number. Give Barry a call because what you've been kicking around is a lot bigger than I think you realize. And, and Barry will answer a lot of questions. And so that's how the four of us kind of got involved. Um, a few months later, Craig and Stu said, hey, we're talking about um, two or three different people to go with us and Barry to, to co-host. And so it wasn't like a brother lock. We kind of, I had to send them some, uh, sermons to listen to and some things to go through and talk about what their mission and their vision was. And uh, so that's how the four of us got together. And then Jet mm -hmm. Jet came along for the ride that first year, uh, Danny the next, 
and Dan was behind us from the very beginning. Dan Kingsley, our executive producer. Um, and he started coming the second year to take still photos. So that's, that's the core seven. Well, the, the way that, I mean, everything that you just said resonates so much with me because the, the level of quality is amazing and the, the biblical content is amazing. And I, I feel like, and I shouldn't say this, but I feel like that with other resources, I have to apologize or I'm a little bit embarrassed either on one side or the other, either the quality is <laughs> not great. And it's like, Hey, you should watch these videos. They're, they're really good content, but the qualities, yeah, yeah just so, so, um, or I, I apologize the other hand, like, I don't agree with everything they say, but the quality is amazing. Um, right. but with you guys, I don't feel like, I have to make any apologies at all. I, it's just, it's just amazing. And the way that uh, Jeremy, you and, and Barry um, co-host it, or you know, co-star. Yeah. Co I don't know what term I should use. <laughs> co-host, we'll co-host. <laughs> but, but I, I mean, you guys, it, it works so well. Um, just the way that you got the dynamic that you'll have between each other, um, and and it works so much better than just having one person. If it was either of you, I think okay. the the combination of the two of you is just is just fantastic. Fantastic. How many? Yeah, how, it didn't sorry. start out that way. Uh, I think originally right. it was just going to be me. And right. then as we spoke with Barry some more, um, Craig and Stu said, this should be a two person show. Yeah, it just made sense because we originally contacted Barry uh, not to say, would you be in a video series with us? But it was simply to ask him logistics. How do we travel over there? Stuart and I had never been to Israel. Neither of us had actually ever been overseas. And so originally he was brought in as a consultant, hmm. basically. And instead of trying to take the information Barry was giving to us and making sure that Jeremy then repeated that same information accurately on camera, we're just, I think just it makes it during planning meetings. Yeah, it was during planning meetings work we so well together, together and yeah. bouncing things off. And Barry brings his own special skill set and knowledge and Jeremy his and it just made sense. Yeah. Now, Barry's not uh, a, a full-time minister or no. what, what does he do professionally? <laughs> <laughs> so Barry actually has a degree uh, in weather. Meteorology. Meteorology. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, which he doesn't use. Gotcha. <laughs> and then he's also a computer programmer. Um, okay. He does contract work out of Huntsville, Alabama. Wow. Um, so he wears a lot of different hats and does a really great job with tour guide co-host. Yeah. Like that's like pulling back the curtain and, and, and seeing the man behind the curtain. Cause I mean, you right. would just think that that's all Barry ever does that he, he does tours to you Israel. Would, you would think that, yeah, I mean, that's, sure. that's his passion though. He takes it seriously and he wants to do it excellently and do it well. And I think that that comes across. That's awesome. Now, how many trips have y'all taken as a group to Israel? As a group, three. we've taken three. Yeah. Okay. So our first trip was in 2016 and that was to begin shooting, uh, following Messiah. And that took us two years. That second trip in 2017 finished up that 10-episode series. Then we did uh, Searching for a King this past May. And uh, yeah, so three trips for us. Obviously, Jeremy has taken four. Mm -hmm. And Barry has taken... Close to a dozen. Yeah, he's he's getting close to a dozen different trips. And I think wow. Dan is is close to that number as well. They, they kind of compete right. with who's gone the most, right? <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's your favorite part of being over there? Oh man. Um, it, it has changed over time. Um, there are certain places that we've been to several times and we try to use the same hotels when we go. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a special one up in Tiberias off the side of the sea of Galilee mm -hmm. that really just feels like home. Um, the Wi-Fi is best down in the lobby and they have these, these big 
overstuffed couches down there. And so when we get back from a production day and we've had dinner, you'll find us down there in our flip flops with our computers and our tablets out, just kind of relaxing and working together in the family room, the lobby. Um, so that's, that's fun. I don't know if most people would think that we would say that, but, um, so that, that hotel is a special place for the team. Um, there's some things we figured out production wise on that property. Um, I don't know. What are some of your favorite places? Uh, I, I know it sounds maybe trivial, but I really do look forward to the local food mm-hmm. over there. Um, there's really nothing quite like it. Um, one of the things that I've enjoyed the most and got to experience it quite a bit this year was just being able to kind of freely wander around the old city mm-hmm. of Jerusalem mm-hmm. and, you know, just enjoying the local fair there. Um, it's that's unlike anything I've experienced before. You're hearing six or seven different languages at once. And in some instances, you're crammed into pretty tight corners. But you know that just around the bend is some significant religious site um, that means a lot to people all over the world. It's pretty special. There's something, uh, and Craig can correct me, Um I think most of us have said this, that as Americans, the first time you travel overseas, especially into some place like the Middle East or um, Israel specifically, the first time you're just kind of on high alert. Uh, You're not quite sure what to expect. Um, All you know is what you've seen from the news and everything is foreign to you literally. And so you're just, you're hyper aware of everything. And when you start going a second, third, fourth time, you start to relax more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're able just to enjoy it for what it is. Uh, and I think that that was true for me, the second trip. So it was your first trip. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody else, the, the second production trip, everybody kind of relaxed a little bit more and was more at ease as we worked. Yeah. So what, what would you say? And that, that kind of plays into what you just said, I think, but what would you say would be like one of the biggest misconceptions about Israel in general? <laughs> is it safe? Yeah. We're always asked during our live Q and A's, is it safe? And the answer is always yes. 100% yes. Um, this last year in 2018, uh, we make a joke out of it. You know, president Trump just happened to schedule the, the moving of the U S embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem during our production trip. That was just really, you know, he thought that was the time to do that. Nice. I'm um, sure that was on, yeah, on his radar. He did not consult. He didn't consult us. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, but over here in the States, you know, the news was hyping that up as some really big deal. And it is a big deal. Um, but it was totally safe. It was totally yeah. safe. Yeah. Uh, all the hotels were booked out. We actually had trouble finding room <laughs> for ourselves. Oh, I bet. Uh, but yeah, totally safe. So yeah. Good deal. So how would you say that that being over there, maybe maybe through the journey of making these videos and you know what you've just experienced from from Appian Media, but but maybe being in these these sites that you've seen and, and seeing the things that you've seen in Israel, what would you say how has that impacted your your personal faith? Oh man. So uh, again, only speaking for myself, my wife and I went in 2015 on a personal trip. I mean, we never intended to go a second time. Um, we thought this is a once in a lifetime thing. And she had her camera. I had my camera and we were snapping pictures like crazy. Um, and it was just, it was so reaffirming to go to those places. Um, and then when the production team went, 
it was shortly after um, the passing of one of my sons. We had two special needs sons who passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. And my oldest son had just become a Christian. And I didn't want to be away from him for all that long. And so I asked the guys and they were all okay with it. Um, we took him along too, because I wanted to help shore up his faith in, as early as possible. And I thought that trip would help with that. Um, and he's communicated that it, that it did. It was really helpful to him. Um, so uh, yeah, it was for me. It was for Keenan. Mm-hmm. I'd assume it is for Craig. Yeah, it's, I was actually mentioning it to someone. We just recently came back from Houston for some screenings and uh, I was mentioning to someone that, you know, uh, as far as Jeremy and myself, we, we grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we grew up going to church and hearing these stories and especially David and Goliath and the stories of Jesus, something we're all very familiar with. And I never necessarily ever doubted that such things happened, but there is something, there's something really special about being able to stand in the valley of the location of where David fought Goliath and see the hills and see the the points that the Bible makes special mention of and say, this, this really is the place. Yeah. Um, yeah, but there are questions, and I think Searching for a King, we, we start the series out on this note a little bit more strongly. Um, and studying with people who did not grow up with uh, exposure to the Bible and to the narratives, they ask really great, objective, critical questions yes. because it's fresh to them. You know, things that we gloss over because we're already familiar with it um, or think that we're familiar with it. And so they'll ask practical questions. Um, how far away is this place from this place? Or how could Jesus have traveled all those different places within Jerusalem in the same night? Um, how is that possible? Um, and those are just a, a couple of examples. And so when you're studying with people who are new to the Bible, um, they ask excellent questions. And being able to go over and show show maps and show videos and show locations, it helps answer those those very good questions. Yeah. There are answers for them. There are. And I think episode one of Searching for a King is one of my favorite in regards to that, specifically as uh, Scott Stripling, an archaeologist, is taking us through uh, the biblical location of Shiloh, where he makes mention, we've been digging here for several seasons, and the amount of bones, animal bones that we're finding, there is significantly less uh, pig bones that we are finding here than in typical locations. Well, why would that be? Because the city of Shiloh, the Bible tells us, was a place where they, the Israelites offered sacrifices. They would not have had pigs there. Right. And uh, he actually mentioned to us this, this past weekend, uh, the amount of bones, uh, so much so that he said you could actually fill one of the theaters that we were in, mm-hmm. a pile of bones that had been stacked up over time, they were slaughtering a, a vast amount of wow. animals. And they were exclusively sacrificial. Exclusively animals. the type of animals that would be in the biblical sacrificial system. And just countless examples like that, where the Bible says that something is a certain way. The Bible says that people acted and lived and worshiped in a certain way. And that's what we're finding. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really powerful to me. And it's really helpful as I'm teaching my kids um, David and Goliath is my, my oldest son. He's five years old. That's his favorite story. Sure. And to be able to sit down with him and show them that video and read from, you know, read from the scriptures and say, this is how it happened. 
you know, this is where it happened and we can have faith in that. Yeah. That's really special for me. That's really important for me that I can tell that to my kids with, um, with truth. Yeah. You know, and it, 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 it strikes me that, that we are sort of at a disadvantage in the United States in the 21st century when we're reading the scriptures in several ways. One, we don't read the original languages, and so it has mm-hmm. to be translated for us. Uh, but but two, we're not familiar with those locations. I was just thinking this is a silly example, but I don't know if you guys have ever seen, uh, I think it was called the Cotton Patch version of the Bible. Have you guys ever seen that? No, no. <laughs> so it was not only sort of like a um, it was, it was written in like Southern colloquial language, you know, I mean, it's, so it's, it's kind of silly, but, but they also like changed all of the names of like rulers oh, yeah. to like governors of Alabama or something like that. Or they oh, changed, right. they changed the, the locations to, yeah. so instead of saying Jerusalem, they would say Athens or something like that. So they would change <laughs> yeah. it to things that made sense to the readers in their geographical locations. Which obviously makes it something other than scripture because we're yes, making it yes. not the Jewish story. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. But but they they did that so that they could relate to these places in relation to one another, um, which there's it's very difficult for us to do that unless we look at a map. But but even a map is is two dimensional, you know. And the people that originally read these these narratives and these accounts and these even even the prophecies, there's so much even within. The the prophetic books that they would say they would make reference to a location and unless you have some familiarity with where is this and and what is the the author trying to say about God or about your relationship with God by making reference to this place and what may have happened in this place we're just sort of out of touch with those things but I, I just feel like for those that get to travel to these places, and see these things. When you guys flew over uh, the area in the plane, was that in episode yeah. one of Searching for it was. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. man, that was so incredibly helpful. I think just understanding how close all of these cities and yes. communities are <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the way, you know, the United States, we're so spread out. So when we talk about LA and New York, I mean, those things are way far away from each other, but all of these places even a long distance was still, you know, relatively close compared to where we are now. So seeing those things from the air and seeing the, the, the geography of it and seeing, you know, the, the elevation and and whatnot, it was just really helpful to see that perspective. Yeah. And that whole, uh, that whole concept of relatability, I think uh, everybody's looking for that. They're trying to make sure that they're applying the text to their circumstance. Uh, And I think that's right. But we're also trying to challenge people with how to do good Bible study. Are we talking yeah. about eisegesis or exegesis? Right. So our, our brains, when we read material that is not known to us, our imaginations fill in those gaps with what's familiar, with what we know. And so when we hear rivers, we think about rivers where we grew up. Um, for landlocked people, oceans is a difficult thing because they've never experienced that firsthand. But our imaginations just fill in the blanks. And if we're going to do good exegesis, it means we're trying to get out of the text what was already there. And that means that means helping people um, discover and become familiar with what's unknown to them. Mm-hmm. So helping the, the geography of the actual land, the topography, the history, the, the ancient cultures, helping those become more familiar to people. And when we do that well, then the, the text will do what it's supposed to do. It will relate to us the way God intends for it to relate to us. Yeah. Um, 
and and we'll let God's word work the way God intended for it to work. Yeah. There, there was a moment during our first trip where we went up to the top of a place called Mount Arbel. And from that vantage point, you can look out and see the entirety of the sea of Galilee. And I know when, you know, when I used to read that passage, I would think, well, sea normally we would use that to describe an ocean, you know, a large body of water. But the Sea of Galilee is essentially a very large lake. It's very large. But from Mount Arbel, you could see the entire thing. Wow. Um, and from most perspectives, as long as the, the day is clear, you can you can stand on one shore and see across to the other. Um, and that changed the story of Jesus and his disciples getting caught in the storm. And that changed the story of Jesus walking on the water or when Jesus rose from the dead and they saw him on the shore, but didn't quite recognize it changed how you visualize it it. changed it completely because how they understood that body of water was different than how we as Americans use that word. One of the, one of the moments in, in the last series in the following the Messiah series, I don't remember which episode it was, but, but it was when you guys were in the cove, uh, was it yes. the cove of the sower? Right. Is that what it's yes. called? So yeah. that was just, I mean, I I've heard my whole life, you know, and, and I've preached it and taught it, you know, about how you know, there's sort of amphitheaters or the water, you know, whatever, but seeing you guys there and then to see how far you guys were away. I mean, you guys can tell the story if you want to, but that was just a, an amazing moment to see how the sound carried and you could almost just picture the way Jesus could have preached from that spot and and everyone could have heard. Yeah, that was, I think that's episode six or seven, the episode that focuses on the, the teachings of Jesus. And we had heard of someone who had performed that experiment before. So we weren't the first ones, sure. but we thought let's duplicate it and get it on camera and get audio. And none of us had ever experienced it firsthand. And so we hiked out to that cove where that sermon was supposed to have been delivered. And I did not know what it sounded like since I was down low and everybody else was up high. I can't remember which camera person was with me. Right. Um, But I could see their excitement as I started reading the text. But I never got to hear it until we got home and we were in post-production and they were marrying the the, the audio to the, the video. Um, which was unedited, you know, yeah, they didn't ramp it up. It's just, that yep. was native sound. Right. And when I heard that, uh, I had the same, the same reaction. I was just blown away with how accurate that was. Yeah. In fact, I was the camera operator down with you. Okay. So I didn't get, I didn't get the benefit of it, the benefit of the experiment either, but I, I did get to edit it. And so as I've actually listened <laughs> to that audio for the first time, I mean, there is no trick of the audio. There's no trick of the camera. That is what they heard. Um, Jet was the one, one of the ones up top. Yeah. And he said, I was having to really focus and pay attention to get the shot because I had goosebumps all over Yeah, where, you know, when the Bible says that something like that happened, it could happen. Yeah. It did happen that way. That's really awesome. And and that's a, that brings up another interesting point for me is because I realized that there are, there are natural limitations to being able to capture a story like that, like the way that you guys did that experiment, uh, there's natural limitations that if you're there, you have one experience. And if you watch it or you see a picture of it, you have a different experience. But the way you guys put together, the, the way you produce it and edit 
all of the footage and edit everything together, it, it's almost like we can step into it and feel like we are there. And obviously, it, it would be a different experience if we were there with you. But but I, you, you guys just do a tremendous job of putting everything together to be able to communicate the spirit the unique features of that place uh, so that the audience feels like they're there with you and it becomes more of a, an immersive experience. Well, that's, that is totally a team effort. I mean, that was the feel that we wanted for the series. We wanted uh, viewers to feel like they were going along with us and they were a part of the conversation with us um, as we are learning and as we're discovering and the team will sit down and brainstorm about what's the best way to tell this story. And so you've got the technical side of the team where they're talking about audio, they're talking about lighting, they're talking about depth of field and things like that. Um, you have Barry and Dan that are bringing in their uh, their expertise with the geography, the locations themselves. They've Some they've visited, some they know of, but have not. And then in the background, you've got me going, okay, remember what the point of the Bible text is here. <laughs> we can get caught up in these right. things, but remember what the biblical text says here. Um, and so it's really a, a collaborative effort between everybody. And uh, I'd like to think that we're getting better at it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that what you're saying is exactly what we've been shooting for. Um, and that's coming across on screen. Well, and, and speaking of the getting better thing, I, I mean, following the Messiah was Absolutely fantastic. And it remains fantastic. But as we've been watching the new uh, Searching for a King series, and we're not quite finished with the whole series yet, but um, but as we've been watching that, I think even the boys and my wife, Holly, have picked up on the fact that that it seems like there's a slightly different style to it. And and it, it's a little bit different. It, it There's a ton of continuity between the two, uh, but it, but it feels a little bit different. And they noticed maybe some drone shots that may not have been in the first one or something. So I'll, like let Craig, I'll let Craig talk about the drone. Yeah. yeah. So the, the difference in style was very much intentional and that took a lot of planning and a lot of uh, pre-production on the front end of it. Um, we love following the Saya. We feel like that did an excellent job of achieving what we wanted, but we also didn't want to just get comfortable and say, well, that worked. And we're just going to keep using that mold over and over. And so we, we tried to improve in certain areas and make it engaging and make it uh, more, really, we wanted Jeremy and Barry to, to get, I don't know, to get their hands dirty, yeah, to get yeah. farther into the, the places and uh, be able to explore. And, yeah. And explore space. and, and in, engage with what's there and the people that are there. Um, bring in third parties. Yeah, we did that. Um, we did that a, a few times in following the Saya, but we, we tried to ramp that up um, with some some pretty big names as far as archaeologists and, and others, experts in their field. And then that drone was actually one of the ways that really helped us accomplish that for the first two years for following the Saya. Those drone shots are actually not our own. Mm. We uh, purchased the rights to use those from another pilot. Um, simply because shooting drones uh, is difficult in Israel for a variety of reasons, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah. But we were able to jump through those hoops and do that this year. And we were able to do that um, in part because a donor approached us and said, if I got you all a drone, would you make use of it? And we said, oh, absolutely. I bet. Um, watch us. And so to actually be able to, I mean, you think about the scene in the Valley of Elah, to actually be able to see Jeremy and Barry walk in the valley 
and see it from that height. Yeah. Um, there's a, a, a scene where we talk about the death of Saul on Mount Gilboa and to be able to get the drone up there and show the battlefield um, is really like nothing else. Well, and another part, another part of the tone where we were trying to bring it back to what is the biblical text saying? Um, the United Kingdom follows right on the heels of the period of the judges, which is just a a downward spiral. It's a, it's a very dark time in Israel's history, and even Saul's reign as king is not the the best that it could be. Um, and so we were trying to reflect that mood and that tone. Uh, correlate that from the text to what you were seeing on screen. So the the lighting is a little bit darker. You see us going into some darker places. Mm-hmm. Um, just we're trying to match the tone of the text. Yeah. Um, so it's not as bright and sunlit and middle of the day kind of stuff. Um, we were chasing the, the sunrise and the sunsets to try to get better lighting to match the tone of the biblical text. Well, and, and, and I'll say this, and, and it might sound weird to say it, I guess, in this way, but, but it's, the, and the first series is incredibly engaging and, enter, and even entertaining, uh, but, but I would say that there's almost a, like, a, a, a bingeability, is that a word, bingeability, uh, to this new, you know, you, you don't want to stop, and, and I don't know if you intended, or, and I, I can't think necessarily how every one of the uh, Following the Messiah episodes ended, but it seems like these have been sort of cliffhangers, like, Oh yes. man, I need, in yeah. fact, Malachi said the other night we stopped one of the episodes and we were like, okay, it's time for bed. And, and he said, uh, can, can we just watch the first couple minutes of the next episode? <laughs> you know, he, he would, well, what's going to happen? Cause it, it feels yeah. like an adventure. It feels like yes. with the first series, it was almost like, well, here's, here's a place and here's a lesson. Here's a, a text from it. And, you know, here's yeah. sort of the application of it. And it just sort of stood alone and it was great and awesome. But in this series, it feels like you're on an adventure with, with Barry and Jeremy, and, and, and it feels like you're going along with them and you can't wait to find out what happens next. Well, and that that was intentional. And those episodes were designed, the endings and the beginnings were designed very specifically for that. And the reason for that is, is because we want people to treat their Bibles in the same way, Yeah, where we want them to go, oh, there's a chapter break. Can I do one more? You know, is there time <laughs> for good. one more? I want to know. Yeah. I, I want to know how it ends or I want to know. Uh, maybe they don't know how it ends, um, but I want I want more. I want to keep going. And we actually had that about five days after the release of Searching for a King. Mm-hmm. I got a, a private message through Facebook of somebody who said, I just watched all five episodes of the new series, and I was really struggling with my Bible reading this year. You know, we're only a few weeks in, uh, but she was really struggling and, and just felt bored. And she said, I felt stuck. But after watching Searching for a King, I thought, I want to read more about that. So I'm reading First and Second Samuel. Um, and perfect. I mean, that is exactly, exactly what we're shooting one. for, where yeah. you realize that there is adventure, there's drama, there's truth in God's word. And so we're just trying to use this as a springboard to get you deeper into your, into God's word. Yep. And I feel like this series, uh, and one of the things I've always appreciated about Appian stuff is that, uh, my whole family enjoys it. And, and, and this series is no exception. And, and so it, it's engaging for adults, but also children, um, get it and they understand what's going on. And, you know, and so it's not over their head. Uh, but, but I do feel like this new series is a little bit more academic. And and I mean that in a really good way, because I, I feel like it's something that 
even if somebody was skeptical about the Bible and they were, you know, just like, oh, I don't know. I, I think that they would take this seriously and it would help them to take scripture more seriously and understand that this is, and I, I loved what the archaeologist, is is it Scott? Is that? Scott Stripling, yeah. Yeah, I love what he said in, in that episode um, where he was talking about his research and and his doing archaeology and and he said something along the lines of you know the point of it isn't apologetics you know it, it's not yeah. necessarily they're not starting out with that because that wouldn't be um, real academic research you know to to say hey right. we're we're trying to prove that the Bible's right uh, but along the way it does it does confirm what scripture yeah. teaches and so I loved I love the the honesty and the integrity of the research that's going on uh, but at the same time it really does I, I really believe that it would help people that are skeptical about the stories of scripture to take it even more seriously well we hope so and that's uh, one of the differences between this series and the last one is we approached it more from a documentary standpoint yeah uh, here's this question did the United Kingdom of Israel exist? Because there are people on both sides of that argument that say yes or no. And then you have people in the middle that said, well, something sort of was there. Um, and what does the material culture say? Uh, what is there? What have people found? And to, to honestly ask the question and let experts who've been doing the work answer it, because I'm not an archeologist. I haven't spent time um, digging in the dirt. That'd be fun. I mean, if you want to volunteer, I'm sure Scott would love to have you on his site this summer. Yes, yes he would. <laughs> but there are people that have, and um, they do an excellent job and they try to be uh, unbiased. They're not trying to set out to, to prove the Bible, but as they honestly work, they find things that, that synchronize with the text. And so there is an apologetic function to it. And Scott did a great job explaining that uh, in episode one. We have a couple other people in this series that, that say the same thing. Yeah. And I, I just think that this is such a, a healthy way for people to uh, immerse themselves in scripture and to understand it because, I mean, it's really easy. I think we've got a lot of people in our culture that have rejected faith, rejected God, rejected Christianity based on their perception of what Christianity is, based on the perception that it's just a bunch of fairy tales, based on yes. the perception that, that uh, you know, only, only somebody that's uneducated would believe this stuff. Um, and, and I think that they've sort of had that assumption and they rejected that perception of Christianity rather than the truth of Christianity, which is rooted in historical events and histor and geographical locations. And this is this is real stuff rooted in real time and space, um, rooted in real events uh, in the story of Israel. So I, I think that it's so helpful for people to uh, that are Christians to have their faith um bolstered. Uh, but I think it's also helpful if, if somebody has somebody in their family or their neighbors or their friends that are skeptical about scripture, I think this kind of a thing um, that is, again, so uh, biblically accurate and the content is so rich, but also at the same time, the quality is there so that uh, people take it seriously and it, and it helps them uh, to share their faith or to have their faith um, bolstered. Well, hopefully, hopefully we're, we're doing a good job being faithful to the biblical instruction to give a defense for our faith, but to do it with gentleness and meekness. Yeah. Um, so it's okay. It's right for people to ask questions and maybe questions that you didn't have, but they've got them. And so let's, let's honestly and gently look at those and what answers are out there and how do we go about having that dialogue? I mean, we're, we're mm -hmm. in a culture uh, that is increasingly less interested in having a, a gentle, honest dialogue about fact. 
Um, so let's set an example for how to do that mm-hmm. and, and let people know this is a right thing to do. It's good that there are disagreements and questions, but let's, let's sort through it. What can we find and where does it lead us at the end of the day? Um, and let's let the evidence stand for itself. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we're hitting that mark. Yeah, because I regularly tell people that God requires faith from all of us, but he has never required blind faith, where he never said, believe me because... He never said, just trust me. What he has done is in his wisdom, he's put a vast amount of evidence in a variety of different subjects. If you want to look at the archaeology, you'll find evidence. If you want to look at the history, you'll find evidence. The geography, you'll find evidence. Um, And without spoiling the series, Jeremy does an exceptional job in the fifth episode of Searching for a King of really tying that all in together is faith is essential and there's never going to be the one piece of evidence that will answer all the critics. But what kids, especially college students, are regularly told in academia is there's no evidence. You only believe the Bible because you can't find the answers and you need something to satisfy your curiosity. So you come up with superstitions or you come up with things just to ease your mind. And that's that really is the farthest thing from the truth is there is ample evidence And that's what we hope that following Messiah and especially searching for a king does for those honest seekers. Yeah. Well, you guys, as far as I'm concerned, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. You're doing an absolute phenomenal job. So if somebody maybe this is the first time they're hearing about Appian Media or the two series, where where should they check them out? So they can uh, they can actually find both of our series on YouTube. On Facebook, um, we encourage people to visit our website, which is appianmedia.org. And there's quite a bit on that website. Not only is uh, are there the series, which are completely free to watch and to use and to share, um, but there's also information about how to support what we're doing. Um, we are a 501c3, and we create the content as the support is available. And so uh, we recently relaunched the website Um, with a lot of really, really helpful resources. We actually have a new section that we're calling the resource room. And there are video clips and photos and animated maps. And each of our episodes of both of the series broken down into segments. If a teacher just wanted the clip of Valley of Elah, they could download it. Um, And we give access to that resource room to those who become um, regular members, regular donors to help us support the cause and create even more of this. And also for people oh, that's who right. are, yeah, Absolutely. for people that are really interested, um, we've actually created a coupon code just for your listeners that if they go to our website and go and select a DVD of their choice, whether it's following the Messiah one through five or six through 10, or if they want the new series searching for a King and they select it, that DVD and put it in their cart. If they use the coupon code crosstalk, all lowercase, they will get it for free. Wow. Uh, they still have to pay shipping, but apart from that, they're getting a free DVD yep. um, of one of our series. And uh, we're trying to make that as available as possible. That's cool. Well, thank you guys. That's, that's really awesome. And you guys, I mean, 
seriously, I, I appreciate the work that you guys do both in front of and behind the camera. Um, I, I really believe that people's lives are and will continue to be changed. And and I really hope that that if, if somebody's listening to this and they're a, a preacher or a Bible class teacher or an elder or a deacon or, you know, whatever their role is, that they'll find a way to uh, to get these these videos and, and show them to young people or to adults, uh, because I really think they're going to help change people's lives. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for your support. And for all of those people that are listening that start to get excited about this, we're, we're creating content, different types of media for students and teachers of the Bible to use. And so if they have some great idea that they, they think would be right up our alley to produce, let us know, you know, what, what would they need next? Um, we have ideas about that because we're all Bible students and teachers and preachers and elders and things like that. Um, but we'd love to hear from people. How are you using this and what would you like to see next? Um, so reach out to us through the website and use that contact us button and uh, give us input. Yeah. And that was actually one of the things that um, it was requests like that, an idea that, that Jeremy brought forward that encouraged us to create a, a company Bible study guides. So for those who enjoy the videos, Jeremy and Barry, and uh, now we've enlisted the help of, of Justin Dobbs, have actually written multiple lesson study guides that use pieces of the videos and then dig deeper into the text and into the the information with application questions and some really great small group study type of uh, lessons that can be um, purchased and downloaded as a as a digital file on the website so there's 39 lessons now 39 lessons episode series and uh we're hearing from people all over the world that uh uh, just the richness of their studies, um, group studies are, are being benefited uh, through this content. And so that's our desire to continue to create that and to hear from others, you know, what would be the most helpful to have and to use. And we will, Lord willing, do our best to create it as as quickly as we possibly can. And accurately. <laughs> and that's, yep. That's right. I hope you'll take advantage of that coupon code and order a DVD from Appian Media. But even if you don't plan to do that, make sure you check out their website, appianmedia.org. There are tons of free resources that will bless you, your family, and your church family. And if you enjoyed this podcast, I want to share with you two ways that you can help support what we're trying to do. The first is by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts to help others discover the show. And the second way you can help is by checking out Logos Bible Software. Logos has partnered with us to give our listeners a great discount. So go to radicallychristian.com slash Logos, L-O-G-O-S. I think you'll love the software and you'll get a great discount by using that link. As always, I love you. God loves you, and I hope you have a wonderful day.